Welcome to Growing Home, the podcast that helps you take care of the place that means the most to you, your home. I'm your host, Terry Therian, alongside your co-host, Len Giddix. Welcome back to another episode of the Growing Home podcast. Len, we just had got through an interview, our second interview, mm-hmm. and our, our annual interview with Peter Geiger, the editor of the Farmer's Almanac. What a guy, huh? He's a super interesting guy, and I think we learned a little bit more about him this year than last year. Oh, he certainly did. I wish I got his address. Yeah, right, because uh, come Halloween time, he's a pretty popular guy up in Lewiston, Maine. Evidently. Yeah. yeah. What did he say? How many people come to his house? Like thousands. There, yeah. There's more than a thousand. Well, I guess you earn that when you're giving out three full-size candy bars. I better, I barely get one. You know? Trick-or-treater here? Yes, and I buy full-size candy bars. You can have the whole basket if you want. Len's address. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. Because so, the rest is for me. Your wife's probably asking why you bought so much this year. Uh-huh. Well, like, oh, could change. Yeah. Well, maybe like your prediction of the farmer's almanac. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. But if you're wrong, you just get more candy bars. That's right. <laughs> Win-win. But Peter's a super interesting guy. He told us a little bit about his hobbies. And, you know, I think it was kind of a little bit of a tell of what it takes to put on an edition of the almanac every year for the past, for him now, 41 years and 203 years since the start. It's just incredible how these ideas come to him. They come to him from around the world, we learned. And, you know, many of them have been around for hundreds of years, but then some of this stuff is presented in a different light in the modern age. And you know what? Putting it in a different light, I think that's a great way to describe it because it's almost like he takes curiosity and interest in things we take for granted and we use and are around every day. Yep. And he really brings it to the forefront and says, hey, this is this is actually rooted in tradition or something that our ancestors had done. And maybe it, some of it has evolved and some of it mm-hmm. isn't that different than what happened hundreds of years ago. Right. Well, you know, I know when my great-great-great-grandfather had his coffee cup in the coffee holder in his buggy, he he used what the method that the almanac suggested to keep it clean. No, I'm only kidding you because there were no buggy cups holders. <laughs> what I'm trying to say in a very awkward way is that there's some very modern stuff, many very modern problems that are solved by very simple means and we just don't think about it. So you're saying we're coming up with our own traditions, our own hacks. We have to because 200 years from now, people are going to wonder. And they're all going to be cataloged in the Farmer's Almanac. And yes, they will. Another great thing that we jumped into, which we're always interested in, is the weather. Uh-huh. And we got to do a recap of the 2019 predictions. And that was so neat because half the world saying, oh my gosh, it was a warmer winter and... The other half is saying, oh, it was a colder winter. And, you know, who to believe? All I know is that it got pretty darn cold this winter here. And then we, we, we dove into, you know, we're, we're recording this in just prior to Labor Day here. Uh, it'll come out, you know, soon after. But we looked at the forecast for this upcoming Labor Day. Mm-hmm. And what we've got in the local news forecast compared to what was in the Farmer's Almanac was dead on. And there's no tea leaves or dried bones or feathers to uh, involved with predicting that. It's all described in the almanac, how they come up with this. A little bit, but the secret sauce is all held by their uh, yes. Caleb Weatherby. It's in the uh, safe, yes, back in Maine. So before we jump into the episode, oh yes, we have our grab bag winner for this episode. Okay, and who's the grab bag winner? It is Emily from Boston. Boston? We're like cross-state borders now. I'll tell now. you what, that's almost a foreign country. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, like, and let's even say you have, it's two states away, and let's assume they drove through Rhode Island to get there. Yes, and they speak a different language. Well, in Boston. With an accent. You know, with an accent. Yeah. Like in England, yes. Let's go ahead and uh, pick okay. Emily's prize here. Let's see. Oh, Emily, oh. look at that. That is that a new hat? That is brand new. Oh, that baby. is a first edition. Actually, that is the most recent edition uh-huh. of the Mackey's cap. Wow. Yeah. And what do you it, think, Len? I think it's very tasteful. It's got that baseball cap look and uh, 
But I think your label on the back is that is a little bit off. It's on the right hand side of the. I mean, the Mackey's M is in the front, but why is this off on the right hand side? Well, you know, being a small business, you always got to stay uh, creative and and thinking ahead of what you can do to offer or bring value to the customers. So we put a 1968, our founding year, on the right-hand side, the creative side. The creative side of the brain. How cool is that? Boy, you got to think. You could do an almanac, I think, with that type of thinking. Oh, maybe. I mean, I'll take it just to be a contributor. So, (laughs) How do I get... the chance to come up with a grab bag or uh, a Mackey's cap. Can I, one, can I buy these caps at Mackey's or are they? Not this one. This one's a special edition that I had designed uh, because these are, I'll be honest, it kind of suits my own fashion or or what I like. Uh, Um, But we do have some other great ones uh uh, that I was actually overruled by the team. The ones that we have in the store for sale were the ones that the team liked. This one I took, this is the Sunday go to meeting hat. Yeah, and this is my personal project. Okay. So I'm really proud of this one, and my friends love it. So uh, hopefully Emily will too. So congratulations, Emily. But in order to enter, yes. all we need is an email. Just an email? Just an email. Podcast at MackeyZinc.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at MackeyZinc, M-A-C-K-E-Y-S-I-N-C.com. And pretty much send us a question, thought, comment, anything or just, um, just email us to say that the podcast, I listened to the podcast, and it put me to sleep. We'll, we'll accept that. We'll take that. Honestly, we just need the email so we can yeah. tell you you won. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, yeah. So congrats, Emily. And then, Len, as we jump into now our episode with Peter Geiger from the Farmer's Almanac, we talked about something very important for me. Oh, yes, we did. What the Almanac's prediction means for my wedding in 2020. And whether or not it's good or bad. This is going to be neat and interesting, let me tell you. Yeah, well, I guess you guys will find out whether or not I got good fortune or if the wind's at my back for this one. You know, so far as I'm concerned, you have good fortune, but we'll see what the almanac says. Well, I I think so far I've lucked out, so I hope my luck continues. Yeah, I think so. Well, here we go. Peter Geiger, the editor of The Farmer's Almanac. So, Peter, welcome back to the Growing Home Podcast. Thank you. Nice to be with you again. Yeah, absolutely. So, we're looking at the forecast for the second half of 2019 here and into 2020. Now, what year does this bring for the Farmer's Almanac? What anniversary? Oh, okay. Well, this is the 203rd edition of the Almanac. We actually had our 200th edition was uh, 2018. We started in 1818, and so 2017 was actually the 200th edition. So I celebrated that year, and then eight, and 2018, I made it another celebration. I figured 200 years, you can do two years' worth of celebrating. So this is actually the 203rd edition of the Almanac. It's been uh, 41 years since I started working with my father, who passed away in 94. Then Sandy Duncan and I have been doing it since 95. So this is literally the, the 20, I think it's the 25th or 6th edition together. And um, it's a great, great lot of fun. The Almanac, people, they hear about it for weather, but there's so much in the book and so much that, that's exciting. And that's the reason that we've actually lasted all these years. So Len and I were talking beforehand, like what was hard for us to grasp is how do you continually bring the Almanac together, mm-hmm. meet the deadline for yeah. like 41 years is impressive, never mind 203. Yeah. Are there ever any challenges to, to get it done on time or to bring it all together? Well, you know, I think putting the almanac itself together is fairly fairly simple. In fact, um, when my dad was doing it, it was 48 pages. So think about it. All he had to do, and it was, it was, a, it was a job, was put together 48 pages of material. And then when Sandy and I took it over, we created a retail edition, which is 200 pages. And, and that's why that was a bigger, a bigger effort to have more material. But then the real challenge and the real effort has been social media. So we have something like a million, 300,000 people on Facebook. We are on every facet of social media. And you got to post things four times a day. We have a free newsletter that goes out to 250,000 people every week that has more material. And sometimes you can cross over material. But um, trying to stay on top of all the different places and all the different pieces of material that we need is is really a challenge and so what used to be my father doing the almanac with maybe the graphic person is now maybe five or six of us um but the social media is what's really maybe the most exciting thing because 
you're hearing from people from all over the world. I mean, I had somebody from Russia contact me because he was going to make his wife an apple pie based on an almanac recipe, and I wanted to know what butter was and what could he use instead of, you know, he didn't know what, he didn't know what butter was or, or margarine, whatever it was. So you reach out, and, and I even did an interview uh, last week from a, a London newspaper. So there's interest worldwide. I mean, obviously, the publication is the United States, and then there's a Canadian, but... Um, yeah, it's the the challenge is, is right now is staying on top of and being relevant to social media. And the book is the book and we know when it's going to get printed, we know when it's going to release and you just work around that. It's still hectic at the end, but it's it's a fun publication. Wow. We hear from a lot of people, so the material we get sometimes are ideas from others and you know on on and on it goes. For the publication, mm-hmm. where do you get your stuff? I mean, it's new and refreshing every year. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you know there might be some history behind this stuff. I'm I'm sure there is, mm-hmm. but where do you get it from? My gosh, <laughs> you get ideas from people. Um, we know that that animals and and articles about animals and pets, and and I know you know, Mackie sells products, so we always have something about animals. We have something about we have life life hacks. I think there's 50 life hacks in the book this year uh, that talk about like for example, when you're putting up your curtain rod for your shower put up a second rod next to it. The second rod becomes the rod that you hang your towels on versus hanging them on a chair or something. Uh, something very simple. And, and last year's almanac, one I really liked that was so simple is you wash a window horizontally on one side and vertically on the other. I mean, it's and that way you know which side, if it's streaking or something you, you, you missed. And that's the kind of stuff that I really, really like about the almanac. Some of the really simple things. And that's that's what we do. That's what we're about. I think in the early days of the almanac, it was how to help people do things when they come to a new country. Now it's how do you do things and do it well. And I've been saying in the last five years that I think we're really relevant to the millennials. I I believe this generation is the generation that's not going to want to waste things. It's going to want to recycle, repurpose, and not use a lot of chemicals. And so what can you buy to make something? So if it's icy out on your car and you mix vinegar and water half and half and put it in a bottle, and spray on it, then it melts the ice. And if your path is is icy, you can put cat litter down, you can put coffee grounds down. We have a bunch of things you can do to to get rid of the ice or or melt it quicker and not have to spend a lot of money and not have to have a bottle for every purpose. Peter, what's your definition of hack? I know what my definition (laughs) was, but obviously you're different. I think it used to be called hints. (laughs) Now we call Uh it hacks. I don't know how hack came about. It sounds dirty, but it's not. It's a hack is a idea, I guess. I don't know. I, I wasn't expecting that question, but yeah, life hack is an idea. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about the so millennials so a little so bit. What's, what's your definition? Well, a hack is some, I've been called a hack before. Oh, oh you're using yeah. that hack. For, for, I'm using that hack. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's the only, ha- that's the only hack I know. Well, well you know, anytime we're. If, if you have a if you have a mold problem, you crush several cloves of garlic and stick a thing in a mesh, and then put it in the mold tunnel. They don't like the smell, and they go to the neighbors. Evidently, yes, that's wonderful. I'm going to use that, Peter. I'm going to use that. <laughs> uh, I work so hard for the garlic we grow that I don't know if I can do it. Well, uh, you can use some cheap Chinese garlic for the molds, I yeah. guess. But so, Peter, talking about the millennials and now how much we love social media. Mm-hmm. You kind of talked about it like now, you know, first you were putting out these publications. Now yeah. the cool thing with social media is, yeah, you can put out stuff throughout the year, mm-hmm. but you also can get that feedback. Oh, yes. I mean, now you, you can you know who's coming to your site, what age they are or where they live. And then if they came to your site and they actually bought something or did something, you can even figure that out. And this is actually our first week for the release. And the statistics online are so fascinating to know. You, know, you you tend to think of the almanac as for somebody who's older and maybe female, and yet uh, we know that uh, a million males, 18 to 30 maybe, um, are going to the fishing and hunting page. And we know that a million women are going to go to the moon information pages. So it does help you identify what's of interest to people, whereas the book, it's not always so clear because I don't have the, the immediate feedback. So the whole social media thing, which can be a challenge at time when people get off on tangents, is also very helpful. And not that I know a lot about you personally, but in a bigger scope, I realize how important something is. For example, there was something in the almanac we posted. Actually, we have it in this year's almanac, but we posted a simple thing about, do you cook your vegetables in hot water or boiling water or in cold water? So oh, that posted, was interesting. Yeah. yeah, we posted this graphic, and we actually put it back in the Almanac this year because it's so popular. 
And if it's an above ground crop, you boil the water and then put it in because the membranes are, are thinner and it cooks quicker. And below ground crops, which have thicker and more starch in them, uh, you put them in cold water and let it boil and then that's how you do it. Well, the, the time we posted it, we had four and a half million views on that one little thing over the course of like three or four days, four and a half million. So sometimes you're really lucky and you post something, it just goes viral. And other times you post something and it goes viral two or three years later. And sometimes you think it's really great and it doesn't go at all. But that's the whole beauty and value of the social media atmosphere so that you're you're doing things that are of interest to people and you immediately know what works or what doesn't work. Were there any like big surprises when those channels opened up and you were able to get that communication back from all the readers? What are, what are surprises in this day and age? I think there are times, <laughs> no, there's times that you post something that's really nice, nice, something sweet, like um, hugs cure, cure all ills. And then you start getting these feedback like, well, it doesn't cure this. It doesn't cure this. Then, well, the whole idea is that a hug is a good thing and it helps. But sometimes people just have different takes on things. And then there are those that figure if I hug you, I'm going to catch what you have. So. Yes, yes, yes. And you're going to die. Yes. <laughs> well, we, you're you're going to die? Yes, you're going to die. No, because you <laughs> hug me and I'm you know, contagious. I have a cold or something. No, but, but the whole idea is um, sometimes you post something and people just turn it around and turn it into something that it was not intended to be. But you know what? That's okay. I mean, the whole thing is you're engaging people online and social media is very powerful and we're in it 100% because we, we need to be. But that being said, we've got an orange and green almanac that I know is sold at Mackey's and it's in stores. And, um, you know, when you pick it up, there's a feel to the publication. There's material in it. There's not the kind of, I would say, it's not the kind of thing you read from cover to cover sitting down in one hour, but it's the kind of thing that you read over time and you pick up little gems that are useful in your life. And so, it's not a publication for farmers, even though it's called Farmer's Almanac. I mean, it, there is gardening information and things of that nature, but it really is a kind of a life life book, if you will. And so when people say to, to me or to Sandy, my managing editor, that my grandparents used to read it, well, yeah, they used to read it, but they read it when they were young and they were raising a family. And, and it's also the reason that sometimes I'll get a call from somebody saying, well, I got 50 different years of almanacs. What do I do with it? Well, it's because it's a reference book. And so people would keep them and save them because we have recipes in the, in the almanac and things that people want to refer to. This year we have a, re a recipe. Well, we always have a recipe contest. And so this last year, the 2019 almanac was about Kiwa, which I had no idea what it was. And um, we ended up having, you know, several hundred submissions and we had a first, second, third prize. This coming year in the 2020 almanac, we have a recipe on using bananas and you have to use at least one whole banana. We did one on garlic one time and it, it might've been a half a teaspoon of garlic. Well, that's, that's not the recipe, but um, so this year we're looking for banana recipes, and if people get the, the almanac or go online, they can submit their recipe. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you have a lot of varied subjects, but uh, some of the rest, the pumpkin recipe, you know, there's a couple of pages of pumpkin recipes and yep. different way you can use pumpkin this year. I got to try every one of them. Thank you very much. Well, my claim to fame, and I'm not an athlete, is I paddle a giant pumpkin in a yes, you do. Uh, regard. And I, I, I actually, I, I didn't last year because it was, I think we got, the summer was so dry, there wasn't any pumpkins. And, and what pumpkin I could get was going to cost me like $600 to, to paddle like, you know, a few hundred yards. And so this year, the guy isn't growing them. And apparently it was so wet early in the year that it also did some damage to them. But I have paddled. In fact, we had a story in the Almanac years ago about growing these giant pumpkins in, in Can I came out of Canada. And then another one about this race they have in Canada. So I got an 850-pound pumpkin, loaded it in the back of a truck, drove 14 hours to get to this place. And I'm in this race, and I'm going and going. And what I didn't realize is I don't want an 850-pound pumpkin. What I need to do is carve out the guts more so it doesn't weigh 850 pounds. I mean, if I was in a war zone, I'd have been okay. <laughs> but here I am going and going. It's like, so I came in like 35th out of 70, but... Uh, but now that I know the secret, I've been I've won I think three years. But as I get older, I may just hold on to my trophies and tell stories. Well, and also, you have uh, the costume that you wear during this. Doesn't that count? Uh, it doesn't count for anything. But what you do is you I mean you can do nothing or you can decorate your your pumpkin. So one year I oh. had a uh, it looked like a, a space shuttle and I had an astronaut suit on and it was great. And I mean I blew everything away. Another oh, year yeah. I had a turtle 
and I hear these kids cheering, go turtle, go. And I, at the end, I, I throw the head, you know, this, the head is stuffed in and I threw that to one kid. I threw a foot to another kid and they're all excited. I was Mr. Turtle. <laughs> so, but it's but it's like when you carve it's, a guess, pumpkin, do you have to carve it from a certain angle so that it doesn't like roll over on you? Oh, that's a secret. Oh, is that well, no? I'll tell, you, I'll, tell you, no I'll tell you that no. The, I'll, I'll tell you what the secret is. Actually, in the first couple of years, I had the flat end down, and the top is where I carved. But then I realized you flip it over and you carve the fat end, I mean the bottom of the pumpkin, and you get in there because now you've got this wider girth. Once you're keeps you to, upright, huh? Keeps yeah. you upright. And one year I had a cow. It was a cow, and it, every time I got in, it flipped. You don't know until you get in the, in the water. I mean, on it. Go. <laughs> so this thing kept flipping. So I literally had a cow that year, and I never got in the race because it was unpaddleable. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you, Peter, uh, I was so happy. Uh, two items. Uh, I'll never lose my stud earrings again uh, because yes. of. You know the, the the suggestion that you made, and also witch hazel. I use witch hazel every day to brush my teeth. I feel it because it's an astringent. It toughens my gums, and the dentist does not disagree. And I understand you have. Really? There's an article about witch hazel in Connecticut. Of course, it's just yeah. famous for witch hazel. Yes. Well, getting back to the stud part of your comment, stud. Uh, earring tip. Keep your stud earrings together by fastening them onto a loose button. Works at home, in your jewelry box, or when traveling so you don't lose them. But how do I how do I keep a missing sock from going away, Peter? Um, in the washing machine. How, it's oh, not, was, it, it's not three, in there, and that's yeah, that why I bring it up. Oh, that was two or three years ago, and I don't even remember what the answer was. Although I do know that, you know how you have a coffee cup holder in your car, and there's yeah. like grooves at the bottom of it, and it's all full of crud? Yeah. Well, you take your sock and you dampen it. You just shove it in there and twist it around. Voila, clean. Yeah. Clean, clean, clean. I've solved yet another life problem. I know There's, it. I know it. I know it. <laughs> and it could be so embarrassing when your friends get in or someone gets in. Oh, it's terrible. All the crud in there. Yeah. Yeah. And I say to my friends, I'm not normally this bad. Trust me. When you pick it, pick up your cup along with the sock, you don't need that fancy cardboard Yes. little sleeve they put on there to keep oh, your hand from searing. That's so tacky. But, you know, getting back to your witch, witch, <laughs> witch hazel, you know, it soothes razor burns. It provides hemorrhoid relief. Yeah, that, that's a big problem here, yeah. Here you go. Those bruises treats acne. I think you're past the acne age. It cools, cools sunburns, soothes things. It's just varicose veins. Someday you're not in that age either, but someday it helps you with that as well. And the thing is, witch hazel is so complex. As uh, I mean, the, the the ingredients that go into that elixir are so complex that science has not been able to to, to duplicate it in the lab. They still have to cut down the witch hazel and distill it. And yeah, there's, pro there's probably three or four products you you need in life, and if you didn't have anything else, you'd, you'd survive. And one of them is baking soda, yeah. one of them is vinegar, and witch hazel is another one. I mean, there really are only four or five things you really, really need, and then you can just mix mix things. I mean, in my drains at my house, uh, what I'll do is I'll put um, baking powder, baking baking powder, or baking soda, whatever, baking powder in the drain, and then I just pour vinegar in, and it just you know. It's like it explodes. It opens it up. Well, what do you say, Terry? Should we ask him the question about uh, the upcoming weather and what it predicts? The question for the farmer's almanac, huh? Yeah. I yeah. mean, this is very personal. Yeah. So, actually, why don't we start with taking a look back at uh, 2019? So, how did mm -hmm. last year's forecast compare to what we thought? Well, if you ask me, no, actually, actually, we did really well last year. In fact, we did really well the whole lap, the last, if I take 12 months from when we last time talked. Um, yeah, last year we said it would be teeth chatteringly cold and snowy. And it was definitely a cold winter. Um, started early, as I recall. And we also said that spring was going to be very late. And I don't, maybe Connecticut is different, but in Maine, I think it was almost July 1st until spring arrived. And it, so it was a very long, long winter. And so I, I think we did very well. And this summer we said it would be hot and humid, but that's sort of every summer, I guess. I think it, <laughs> it wasn't, there wasn't as many thunderstorms as I expected this particular, at least I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking for Maine. Uh, there wasn't as many thunderstorms as, as I expected, um, but it, it definitely was humid as it probably always is. So hot, a teeth chattering cold winter last winter, ample amount of snow, 
and then a very long, cold, wet spring. I don't, I don't think the ice on the lakes in Maine melted until the middle of May, and it's normally it's as early as middle of March. So it was definitely cold. And um, so I, th- I give myself an A. I don't want an A plus, but an A. Well, that late spring was right on. We had, we had so many people who never were able to get onto their yards and do any, do everything. Yeah. And yeah. everybody's kind of on this like deadline of a lot of people with kids, like before they get out of school, getting the lawn ready and everything. Because then once they're out of school, it's spending time with them during the summer. And, and you don't have that guaranteed daycare of school every day. So the amount of time you can spend in the yard cuts down significantly mm-hmm. and we definitely saw it and we're seeing a lot of people now in the fall getting to doing a lot of the chores that they hope to do in the spring yep um which is actually a good thing because a lot of what you do in the garden or what you do for the lawn is best done in the fall like i was talking to a customer yesterday and he's got six huge plots that he rotates and he's starting to amend the soil now for for next year but something he really didn't get to do early this spring because mm-hmm. he was under yeah. such a time crunch once the weather broke. Yeah. I, what I found last fall is that um, the leaves just kept dropping. I actually cut down a big oak tree just so I wouldn't have the leaves to rake up. But my neighbor has a bigger one than I had. And no matter how many times I picked up the leaves, they just kept coming. And so then the snow came early. And so in the springtime, it was just kind of real, real messy. So as a more recent like gauge of how accurate this was. So the um, the 2018-2019 Almanac that was released last year about this time, for this upcoming Labor Day weekend, it said mm-hmm. unseasonable chill, mm-hmm. fair for Labor Day. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the forecast we're looking at. We're The temperature's dropping about 10 degrees down here in Connecticut, and we're just mid-70s mild weather through the weekend. Well, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I was in the middle of August. I'm thinking about my release date, which was the 26th of August, and it was hot and humid. And we're saying how it was going to get cooler and chill and then cooler into September. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, when you release, you want to be right that day everywhere. And um, sure enough, you know, four or five days ago, we started getting nights that were in the 40s and, and low 50s. And if nothing else, it's more comfortable. So it is cooler. And then we start looking through the fall. We do talk about it being relatively cool or cold. You know, blustery, cool temperatures in the middle of October. Uh, at Thanksgiving, I have up to 2,500 kids that come to my house. So I'm always interested in Halloween. And we talk about very unsettled for Halloween, which is not a good thing. That's the one day I hope I'm wrong. You yeah. give away some pretty hefty candy bars, I understand. And, yes. uh, you know, you might save some money. <laughs> no, they keep coming. It doesn't matter. I remember it rained one time and I still had maybe 1,700 people show up. Oh, my God. No, it's more the day of the of the week. Believe it or not, Saturdays is my lightest coming because there's so many um, planned parties and things. But a couple of years ago, I had 2,526 kids getting three giant candy bars each. So now we're talking literally, you know, 6,000 candy bars. And then I have a haunted house. I have to save all my money just for Halloween. Oh, so year, are, are the people coming to your house because they know you as the film of the Farmer's Almanac? Or is it because of the show you put on around the house? I think it's the candy bars. I, I'm almost going to go up to Maine. What about you and I? <laughs> it's, 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 no, it's the candy bars because um, part of my publicity is I'm on radio stations all the time. And so on, on Halloween, I'm always on this one station that used to be more of a kid station and when i mentioned i give out giant candy bars the dj got like over the top crazy and so every year we started talking about it then we decided we'd have a secret password so yes you come and eat your your large candy bar and i've got 21 varieties to choose from so then some kid calls i never said where i live so then this kid calls it hey i'm ryan i'm uh, mr guy i live on this street mr guy lives on this street he's really cool so that night some kid who's in a costume says i talked to you on the radio i said well you must be ryan so i gave him like 10 candy bars i said you're i said you said i'm cool so you're cool so anyway the long and short is what started to be three or four hundred kids which is a pretty good night is now up to 2500 and 2500 was the year that we lost our power in town and so i think a lot of people were without power and like three radio stations covered it that particular year as well so anyway Long and short is Halloween is a great a great night for me and for the kids in my my area, and it's going to rain this year I think or be unsettled whatever that is. Hey uh, Peter, I have a good friend who swears that she can predict the weather by the color pattern on the woolly bear caterpillar. I mean, I think yep. most people are familiar with that. And, you know, I've been looking at that and the woolly bears don't know that. I don't think, I don't know. What's your opinion on that? I know there's an article in this, mm-hmm. this edition about that. Who should we believe, the woolly bear or the almanac? Or the groundhog. Or the groundhog. <laughs> 
I would I would say we believe the the, the almanac, uh, obviously, for personal reasons. Um, there there was something we call the twenty signs of a hard winter, and we're so skeptical about everything. But if you go back into the seventeen hundreds and the eighteen hundreds, and you didn't have all this fancy stuff to tell you what to do every day, people had to decide what is the winter going to be like, and so they observed what animals were doing. So if wasps nests are high, if um, pigs are gathering sticks, and if more acorns and squirrels are more active, and there's a woolly bear caterpillar. So this little guy crawls around on the ground or up on your house, and if the caterpillar is fat and fuzzy, it means it's going to be a cold winter, and if it's orange, there's an orange stripe in the middle. If it's wide, it means it'll be a mild winter, and if it's narrow, a severe winter. So what I encourage people to do is just observe. I mean, that one's is fairly easy because you can see if it's wide or it's narrow. In the case of acorn droppings and things like that, well, what is a lot and what isn't a lot? I think it's fun. I think people go to my website and really enjoy weighing in on things. There's a woman in North Carolina who's the persimmon seed woman. And when you cut a persimmon seed in half, the seed inside is either in the shape of a fork for, I think it's a mild winter for a fork, a knife is a cold winter, and a spoon is a heavy snow winter. So every year she cuts her seed open and she gives me, well, she cuts several of them open, and then she gives me a report and we post it. So I think there's nothing wrong with observing what nature's doing because you know what? That's what happened years ago. Now, yeah. do they know exactly? Probably not, but I do think that there's a sense that animals have, that nature has in terms of what's going to happen. Somebody has to know. And years ago, that's what people depended upon to determine what the winter's going to be like. Now you have the farmer's almanac, so you don't need to. But. Yeah. So do you want to ask the question, Sharon? Yeah, I think it's you a good question. So, so the forecasting and outside of the weather, we look at, there's a whole section about the best days for particular activities, whether it's fishing, which I did. I had some too. Actually, it was a lot of fun, but I didn't really catch much this year. I went deep sea fishing for the first time, and they were actually marked in the almanac as fair days which is the lowest of the three ratings but uh a more important date is i'm getting married next year oh really and and i noticed that are you sure sure? she has said yes so far and (laughs) she said yes so many times all right what date are you getting married so september 6 2020 okay september 6 2020 well it says uh oh oh well first and third is thunderstorms fourth to the seventh is improving weather for Labor Day, uh, scattered showers, thunderstorms, then fair. So 4th to the 7th, it, I, I'm going to predict that it will clear just for your day. I would have it outdoors without a tent. Outdoors without a tent. Okay. Yes. And with that same being said, a few years ago, I had the worst wedding weather contest. I always get asked about what the weather is, and everybody wants good weather. But what happens when it's bad? So we had this contest, and uh, we had hundreds of people write in their stories about what happened. You know, somebody had a tornado go through their wedding, and the bride and her bridesmaids were all nurses. They set up a triage. We had all these interesting stories, and when you have bad weather, you remember it. And I was on the Today Show with this one, so I would say probably have a little tent in case it does rain. But it sounds like it's going to be rainy, and then it's going to clear at the end. So I say. It'll be good. But and then there's the predictions of what the best days to do particular activities are. Oh. He's worried about this now, Peter. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. There there is a there's a calendar of best days to do everything. In fact, it was always about digging posts, castrating the bowl, and those kinds of things. And then some reporter said to me, Isn't there something more modern and interesting than that? And I said, <laughs> I'm sure the the bull would appreciate something else. And yeah. so we looked it up and sure enough, if you there are calculations that you can do based upon the moon and all of that stuff. And so we have in here the best day to buy a house, best day to get married, best day to cut your hair. I've actually had people who have had cancer who look at the one about best day to cut your hair because it grows back better, stronger, who actually have told me that that works. So we have what we call the best days calendar, and it has all kinds of of neat information. Then we have a fishing calendar, and I think it goes poor, fair, best, and excellent or something like that. And it's very popular, and it's just one of the features in the, in the book. What Terry's interested in is if it's a fair or what was the rating, Terry, on your I think day? It's, yeah, I'm trying to find myself. Fair's uh, the lowest. I'll give you a little <laughs> bit of time here. But he's worried about whether, what does that mean? Does it mean that the wedding might have some problems or that the marriage might have some problems? You see, now you got him guessing. I tell you what, let me know how it works out. <laughs> let me know what happens in a few years, and I'll be able to amend it. I think there are always rare exceptions. Okay, there is a thing about getting married, 
And so September, you want to get married the 1st, the 11th, the 14th, 17th, 18th, 28th, and 29th. Maybe you can change the date. So it was the 4th to the 11th to the 14th. I think you're in trouble. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Change the date. Go to the weekends, yes. the 11th. I don't no, know. I was in married by ourselves. And... Yeah, just, just, just celebrate that day. <laughs> that, no, seriously, the stuff that's in the almanac, it's according to the signs of the moon and all that. And it's for people who follow it and enjoy it. And there's like, there are calculations as how it all falls into place. But I would say if you've got your date set, you actually got somebody who wants to marry you and the weather looks like it's going to be clearing, I say you're good to go. You got Thank it you. from the, from the, I from bless, the guy himself. Bless, I bless the sacred ceremony. Oh, I appreciate that blessing, and I can't wait to report home. Yes. <laughs> 200 years of dessert, Peter. My gosh, I'm on a diet, and I find out two things about my diet. First, you got this 200 years of dessert article, and I got to try every one of them now, someday. And then with your fabulous firsts, I understand I'm on the ketogenic diet. It's working for me. I understand that's not the fad I thought it was. It's been around for a while. Well, well, first we'll start with the, the history of desserts, yeah. and I won't bore you with every one of them. But in the 1820s, you know, there were certain things that were done. In the 1870s, it was another kind of step forward where you maybe you were actually freezing things. In the 1920s, there was a lot of changes in the roaring, roaring 20s, a lot of canned stuff for desserts, and then box desserts in the 1970s and so forth. When I was doing the 200th edition of the Almanac, and I was dreading this edition for about 15 years, thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. I finally locked myself in a room for two weekends and read 200 back issues of the Almanac. And you realize that desserts in the 60s is different from the desserts in the 70s and 80s, yeah. and that there's always changes of, of taste. Um, but then you mentioned the uh, – we have this great feature. I mean, I think my favorite feature in the whole Almanac this year is, is uh, Fabulous Firsts. And so there was a first weight loss diet was attributed to a guy named William Banting from England who built coffins for royalties like King George III and the Fourth, Queen Victoria. But however, he was a little pudgy guy. He was 5'5", 202 pounds. So he consulted a surgeon and friend wanting to know how could he lose weight. So he finally stumbled on a diet that helped him lose 50 pounds. And this diet was composed of low-carbohydrates, high-protein diet. So interestingly, the first diet has many similarities to popular diets of today. So he was yeah. able to shrink himself down so that he would fit into a casket when he died. How wonderful. <laughs> How charming for him. The first firsts are just great because uh, there's one yeah. on first electric car. And so 130 years ago, somebody designed the first electric car and it outsold gas vehicles 10 to 1. And then 1907, there was 69 different electric vehicles produced across the country and they were being produced in Toledo, Ohio, Chicago, and New York. So at the time, electric car was the new standard for engineers. And there was a company called Baker Electric Roadster, which could travel up to 200 miles. I and mean, back then, that probably was about as far as you would ever want to go. And so the electric car was in 69 different versions of it in 1907. So if you ask me when the first electric car is, I would say in the 1970s or something. We also have the first UFO sighting and the first, what else? What do we have? First... 911 call and so forth. So, you know, it's just a, a curiosity article, but it makes you that much smarter than anybody else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm five steps ahead of everybody. <laughs> yes, you are, you are among the elite. Um, yeah, 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 speaking, yeah. Speaking of smart, if you buy your almanac from Mackey's, um, you will know when the storms are coming and you can go to the store before everybody else and get your milk and supplies before anybody else goes. That's the advantage of the Almanac, as I see it. There's the snowstorms coming. It's six plus inches. There's no more bread on the shelf in the grocery store. <laughs> and, you know, we're running out of ice melt. And actually, I remember a truck delivering ice melt got stuck in the snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the Almanac's good to have. And Len and I always love the story about the hole in the corner. If you could just tell us that oh. again, uh, by that yeah, hole sure. there. Well, you know, back in 1818, when almanacs were being printed, you only had almanacs and Bibles. So if you had a printing press, you printed almanacs and Bibles. And so there was hundreds and hundreds of almanacs. Most were called farmers. But because you didn't have a bookcases and there weren't really, quite frankly, any books, you took your almanac. And they were fairly thin. Uh, in fact, my almanac was 48 pages up until 1994. Um, you would just drive a nail through the corner of your almanac and put a thread on it. And then you would hang it somewhere. 
So somewhere around 1918, because I think that's when I was looking through all the old almanacs, I, I realized that in 1918 we started to drill the hole for you. And but the, the purpose really being to hang the almanac on a string in your favorite place. As a matter of fact, May 6 every year is National Read Your Farmer's Almanac in the Bathroom Day. So in yes. my office, at, at Geiger Brothers and in, in the Farmer's Almanac headquarters, we have an almanac in every stall hanging on a hook in every bathroom stall. This is this is how much we love our employees. We, we want them to <laughs> have... Peter, in my household, the, the almanac has displayed on the toilet tank 365 days a year. <laughs> I mean, you got you got a limited time to read everything in it and i'll tell you what 365 days i don't know if that's enough i don't i don't know that's why people keep them for more than a year and by the way there's another thing i'd love it or hate it there's a, a segment I, I was talking to sandy about okay we need to, have to do something on the weather so uh we you know if you really love snow you want to go to alta utah which is a population of 383 people which gets 507.8 inches annually if you like hurricanes then you would most likely want to go down to uh, to Florida because they've had 117 hurricane hits in the last 100 years, or not even 100 years, 75 years. And if you like sunshine, you go to y Yuma, Arizona, because it's 100 degrees like every day of the year, and it's also completely sunny. And if you like clouds, you go somewhere else. So we have this article about if you like extremes, we can provide it. I was interested in the article about uh, wipers up, wipers down oh, in a yes. nice storm. And I prefer wipers up. My wife says wipers down. Mm -hmm. And tell me, Peter, am I right? Maybe. And my wife, wife, maybe for this one time is wrong. Is this your wife or your wife to be? No, this is my wife uh, of 40 plus years. Okay. Yes. All right. Oh, okay. So this is Len I'm talking to. All right. Yeah, this is Len. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell. I'm sorry. Well, turns out there is no right or wrong. The argument was for, uh, putting wipers up, obviously, so it doesn't get ice to the uh, window. But the argument was that the spring would break on the wipers. As it turns out, it's not true. They're made to be able to do that. So the last couple of winters, I've been doing a survey of big, you know, because we get big storms up here in Maine, and, and I would say about a third of my employees have their wipers up. The rest have them down. I, on the other hand, always bring a tablecloth. When I close the door, I close it. There's two doors on the front of the vehicle, and I cover it, the whole windshield, with, with a big tablecloth. And oh. so when I get out of work, I just peel it off, shake it, drive off. I don't have to do anything. Now, if your wipers are down on the window, then you have to, of course, defrost it before you can you can have them so there apparently is no right or wrong it is a personal preference thing and this is a free country it is thank god and uh <laughs> for, for purposes I'm, of papers <laughs> i'm glad i'm not wrong again that's all it, no, i would say this is why marriages are so good they, there are compromises yes. and it's, this year we're celebrating 100 years of a woman's right to vote it is the 100th anniversary and, and yeah it's hard you know hard to believe it's only been 100 years and how what a struggle it was to to get to that point, you, you know, you had people like Susan B. Anthony, Carrie Cat, uh, Alice Paul. So we have about a four or five page article about the heroines of that movement. There have been struggles for everybody going through the history of the world. I can only imagine how difficult it was to get the right to vote. And once it happened, we're, we're better off. So, hey, how about um, 10 edible insects to eat? Yeah, how do you prefer your scorpions, Peter? I like them crunchy. There ain't no way I'm going to eat bugs. What if by chance you're on that television show, whatever, in a, in Survivor? A, no, Naked and Afraid or whatever. Oh, and okay. You're in the woods for like 10 days and you've got to eat whatever. Well, you can have crickets if you wish. You can have grasshoppers. You can have termites. As a matter of fact, you want termites that are in trees, not termites that are in your house. And termites you can have roasted or fried. They're said to be taste a bit like a carrot. Yeah. And there's other bugs, June bugs, ants. You can eat ants. Wouldn't that be payback? <laughs> but I'll have to tell you, Peter, uh, the ratings could go way down on Naked and Afraid if I was on that show. <laughs> well, I'm just saying if you were. But there are people but, who actually yeah. eat insects because they're actually healthy. And our ancestors probably ate them all the time. Like, you know, like we eat popcorn. They were just eating crickets or whatever and i've heard that may be the protein source of the future with a growing world population there's plenty of insects and we haven't tapped into that yet we've tapped into the oceans and the the skies and the land but not the bugs but if, well if you do by chance have a cricket or a grasshopper be sure to remove the legs if you like eating a lobster leg you don't want to do that you want to 
clean it out. And I understand the color of the bug makes a whole bunch of difference as to whether it may be toxic or not. Yes. Something yeah. About, uh, yeah, you don't want ones that have a red stripe on them. But what, is, what are we uh, saying? Uh, yeah. Okay, you want to stick to insects that are black, brown, green, or cream slash tan colored. Yeah. And do not eat ones that are bright yellow, red, or orange markings. They may be poisonous. Okay. So. Well, I have a confession to make that my granddaughter and I were feeding the chickens some freeze-dried mealyworms that I bought from Mackey's. Oh, yeah. yep. And she was, I mean, they were devouring them. My gosh. And so she asked me, she's about five or six, and uh, she asked me if we could eat them. And I know that we can, and I'm not, you know, what's a couple of mealworms and fun. And so she, she enjoyed them, and I had to stop her from crunching on them. <laughs> Well, they can be oven roasted and salted yeah. or marinated with garlic, ginger, soy, and stir fried. See, the, the yeah. endless recipes with this stuff. Yeah, I really think that that could be a very much a untapped resource. I know in yeah, pet but, food. But you're, but you're actually right. No, that, that's a, actually a great observation. And there's a ton of research in pet food right now is if that is a solution to mm-hmm. some oh, ailments really? or allergies that dogs have by giving them an insect-based formula. Usually our pet food takes, you know, trends from uh, human diets. Like quinoa is now really popular within mm-hmm. pet food as an ancient grain. Hey, uh, is yes. there anything that you wanted to bring up that we missed before we move on to uh, some of the things that you provide? You've already mentioned the emails. And, uh, uh, well, the, yeah, there's, a, there, yeah, there's um, a newsletter. There's any which ways to, to get the almanac. My preference, of course, is to go to Mackey's and get the orange and green covered because it's there, it's in your hands, it's at the bathroom, it's wherever you want it to be. But there's also um, a version you can download to Kindle, I think to Nook, and then you can also get certain electronic booklets we have that are based upon maybe the gardening information or very specific aspects. And then you can sign up as a member and get, you can be a member for free and get, I think, two months of weather. But you can also sign up and get all access, which gives you access to everything uh, in the Almanac uh, for a small fee. So, you know, we're trying to be wherever people want to be. And we get postings of pictures, uh, interest, and, and, you know, we are everywhere we could possibly be. And the topics are almost endless with the Farmer's Almanac, whether it's the life hacks slash helpful hints, or it's gardening, or it's fishing, or pet care. We have an article about the fleas on pets, how to, how to get rid of, yeah. of that. Um, then there's the, the debates, like the wipers, you know, that's big-time debates that go on across the country. Interesting articles, like the woman's suffrage, which I think is, is a fascinating read. And then you know, the curiosity things like the love it or hate it, where, where are the extremes in terms of weather? Peter, I think you've overlooked one of the most fascinating things about the Almanac. Certainly, you've done a lot of work with those articles and putting all this together, but it's the advertisements that are great yep. entertainment for me. I don't know where you get these things. We, we just make, <laughs> make them up. <laughs> you know, we've gone from ads in the 90s that were just, I don't know, hearing aids and and I don't want to say old person kind of things, but we've gone to some really kind of cool things. Which one is your favorite? The Biffy bag. <laughs> I mean, when you're out there on the trail and you got to go yep. and there's no logs around to squat over, a Biffy bag is a handy thing to have because you put it in your pocket or you put it in your fanny pack and then yep. voila. Well, Len, if you eat too many insects and need your Biffy bag. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like there's an evaporator, which is a simple, portable piece of equipment for your homestead hobby, uh-huh. syrup making. So it's an evaporator. An evaporator. And, by the way, there's an article, and I don't think I've mentioned it yet, uh, what's in season. And when you go to the store, you know, there's always apples and there's always all this and that. But what is the best season for which fruits and vegetables? And we have it for all the regions of the country that we talk about. And what is the best product to buy in the wet seasons? Because you're always going to have, like in, in Maine, you get strawberries from California, but they're like rocks. So, Well, I'll tell you what. I'm glad I have my paper copy from Mackey's on my toilet tank. And I refer to it all the time. It's just you never get tired. I never get tired of this looking well, through here. But, and, and, you know, hopefully you save it from year to year, too. We do talk about weather, but you know what? It really is about all the other things. And it is about making life better, easier, simpler. The little things like the curtain rod, you know, I, I would never yeah. think to do that. I used to complain to somebody that every time I opened my drawer, the top of a wax paper container or something would get jammed. So I was told, well, just turn it a quarter turn so it opens to the right and it never jams. I put that in the almanac and sure enough, it's simple enough. Check wow. that off my, my hard list. 
And here I've been bringing it out to the outhouse because the Sears catalog is getting a little thin. <laughs> this, is a lot, this is a lot lighter than the Sears catalog. <laughs> so although I, this past year I really thought about, you know, you have it in the bathroom and that's not really, well, I guess you could argue, but it's not really a place of action. <laughs> speak, speak for yourself, yeah. buddy. Yeah. My preferred spot now is either in the shed or we have a, a rack in the, the left-hand side of the garage where that's all of our stuff for going out and planting grass seed or working in the garden. We keep our gloves there. Our boots are right below it. Mm-hmm. And it's like the best thing to check because like even if you, you know, want that extra boost of, hey, this is the right day to plant or this is the approaching frost date. Yeah. Having that at the ready, like right when you're about to go out there and do some work in the yard or my fishing pole is not too far off before I go fishing. It's right there. A quick check. Well, that might be an interesting question for the 2021 uh, edition. Where do you keep your almanac? Well, I think we actually we did a survey online with. Um, oh, you did. And, you know, 50% with the bathroom. Ah, of course. 20% was kitchen. There's a lot of recipes in the almanac. It is a personal preference thing. And if you're really smart, you might buy three or four copies at Mackey's and then you have them wherever you are. I mean, you could have one on the coffee table. I mean, <laughs> what a perfect thing yes. to have. Now that I think about it, I, I'm not sure why Kohler or one of the toilet seat companies is not sponsoring or advertising in the Almanac. I know. <laughs> There's an idea. Respon- responsible for <laughs> so much of the use. But it's probably competition from the biffy bag. <laughs> Check the 2021 Almanac for that. Ad. 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll support that campaign. Well, Peter, this has been great and, and always interesting talking to you. And thank you so much for taking the time. I know... With the release of the 2020 Almanac just coming out, mm-hmm. uh, you've been super busy and really appreciate you giving us a call today. I th- thank you guys very much. It's been a lot of fun. We've gotten into the, the meat of the of the publication and you know what winter will be what, what winter is, but um, if you have your Almanac, you're prepared. Absolutely. That's true. Great. Well, thanks again, Peter. Really appreciate yep. it. We'll see you, thank- Peter. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. For notes from this episode, visit the podcast section of our website at MackeysGrows.com. Also, we'd love to hear your topic ideas or questions, so drop us a line through our website's contact page. If you found the information in this podcast useful or simply just enjoyed our chat, we'd truly appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on your preferred listening app. It helps share our show with others and lets us know to keep working hard. Thanks again, and remember... Where that is and what you love, that's home. Mackey's, where the home grows.